This is Heather Meckes, Director of Discipleship at CRC, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you, encourages you, and allows you to see how God is moving in and around you. If you would like to check out more resources, go to coopersvillereform.com. Enjoy the message. hard time getting up the steps this morning. If you are able, will you please stand this morning for the holy reading of God's word? Our scripture text today can be found in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 22, verses 8 through 13. And if you want to follow along in the Blue Church Bible, it can be found on page 312. Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan, who read it. Then Shaphan, the secretary, went to the king and reported to him, Your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah, the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam son of Shaphan, Egbor son of Micaiah, Shaphan the secretary, and Isaiah the king's attendant. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning, Coopersville Reformed. Am I on? Oh, now I'm on. Oh, for sure. Well, what a great Sunday we had last week for Easter. And I feel like, like Terry had the best seat in the house. Not only did he get a front seat to, to hear the words spoken, but then he got to hear the, the whole congregation projecting those hymns to to our Lord, and uh, what, what a great week it was. And it spilled into my week at work. I couldn't help but, but talk to everyone about Christ, about Easter. It was a great week. Well, for those of you that don't know who I am, my name is Stephen, and if you don't know me, I hope that you introduce yourself to me later on after church. Well, this week, uh, on Tuesday in the morning, I have breakfast with uh, some of my friends. And after breakfast, Greg Johnson and John Visser, they catch me on my way out, and Greg asked me, hey, Stephen, what are you preaching on on Sunday? And I said, oh, about King Josiah. And John Visser says, oh, yeah, the, the boy king. I said, yep, he's, 
He's the boy king. You know, I've been reading this section of scripture for like a month every day, and that is not what stuck out to me. No, I don't have a word for you today about how he was the boy king, John. Um, And then on Friday, I met with a friend of mine, Pastor Bruce Kuyper. Some of you might know him from when we were without a pastor. He filled in a few times. And he asked me, hey, Stephen, what are you preaching on on Sunday? And I said, oh, I'm preaching on King Josiah. And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, there was a prophecy about him 300 years before he was born. And it even mentions him by name. Yeah, yeah, there's a prophecy about him. And no, I'm not preaching on that. I don't have a word about that this morning. Uh, it is amazing, though, from one section of Scripture, how it can affect people in so many different ways. And you can read it and then be affected totally different from the last time that you read it. Well, in, in the book of Matthew, which is not where our story of Josiah is found, but in Matthew 13, Jesus is giving this series of parables describing the kingdom. And he starts out by by the parable of the sower. And it's, it's this parable where uh, a farmer is sowing seeds and some falls in some places and it grows and some falls in other places and it doesn't grow or gets choked out. But then he continues these parables of the kingdom and it progresses. He talks about the, um, the wheat and the tares. He talks about the, the mustard seed. He talks about the parable of the hidden treasure, the parable of the net. And after he finishes with this series of parables about the kingdom, he asks his disciples, he says, do you understand what I'm talking about? And they say, yeah. And he says, well, then, therefore, every, every student of Scripture instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who brings out of his storeroom what's new and what's old. And this morning, I, I want to do that. I want to bring out of, of the storeroom of the Bible something old to describe something new. I want to take an old covenant, an Old testimony, Testament uh, story, and talk about something new like the kingdom. And ironically, the story of Josiah is where Josiah brings out of the storeroom the word of the Lord and is transformed into something new. Well, um, the story of Josiah uh, is in is in a couple different spots, but the one that we're going to turn to is in 2 Kings. So if you have your Bibles, get them out. Hopefully um, it's still open from when Heather was reading it, but if not, it's on page 312 in the blue ones underneath your seat. You can go ahead and open it up to that. And Josiah takes a couple chapters to, to read through, and so I can't read that word for word, otherwise you wouldn't get a sermon um, and then to, to give you the context of that, that that's a couple chapters as well. So uh, I definitely got a, a paraphrase and, um, and move right along. Well, the context of it is this. Um, Israel is divided into two kingdoms. There's the northern one, which is Israel, and then there's the southern one, which is Judah. And Israel, the northern one, had been invaded by uh, Assyria already and, and been conquered. And then 
um, King Josiah's great-grandfather. This is King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah, uh, it says, was, what, did what was right in the Lord's sight. He followed the Lord's commands. Um, he demolished all the idols in the area. He worshiped the Lord, and he didn't give in to the Assyrians. He did, however, if you read about Hezekiah, he did give the Assyrians gold and silver from the Lord's temple to try to pay him off to not invade. Well, after he died, his son Manasseh, who would be Josiah's grandpa, uh, became king when he was 12 years old. And he reigned for 55 years. And it says that he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And that's all in chapter 21. And um, to, to summarize what he did, he reestablished Baal worship. He worshiped the heavenly host. He reestablished child sacrifice, which even included his own son. He practiced witchcraft, divination. He sought mediums and spiritists. He rebuilt the high places that his father Hezekiah tore down. He built altars in the temple courtyard, and he set up carved images of Asherah right in the temple. And it, it concludes Manasseh by saying this. He said, it says that he shed so much innocent blood that he filled Jerusalem with it from one end to another. And this was in addition to the sin he caused Judah to commit so that they did what was evil in the Lord's sight. So this is a quite a dark place for Judah. Well, after he died, his son Amon became king at age 22. And this would be Josiah's dad. And um, Amon, Amon was just like his dad. He was very evil. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and his reign only lasted two years. His servants assassinated him, and then the people made Josiah king at age eight. Derek, how old are you? Can you stand up? Go ahead. I have a son, and he's 10 years old. Two years ago, he was eight. Can you imagine being a king at age eight? Well, this is kind of where we're going to, you can sit down, yeah. Uh, where we're going to pick up in chapter 22. Um, once again, this is on page 312 in the Pew Bibles. And uh, um, King Josiah, after 18 years, wanted to restore the temple. It had fallen apart. And as, as a homeowner of a house that's 170 years old, I can, I can relate to the necessity of having to restore an old building. They just fall apart. But also, all of that gold and silver was taken out of there by his great-grandpa. And so at verse 3, I'll begin reading. In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary Shaphan, son of Azaliah, son of Meshalem, to the temple of the Lord. And he said, go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, and get him, have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrusted to the men appointed to supervise the work of the temple, and have these men and the workers who repair the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, the masons, 
Also have them purchase timber and dress stone to repair the temple. But they don't need to account for the money entrusted to them because they're honest in their dealings. So there's this temple restoration going on. Um, and Hilkiah is the high priest. Hilkiah, he said to Shaphan the secretary, he says, I found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. And he gave it to Shaphan, who read it. And then Shaphan the secretary went to the king and reported to him. He says, yeah, your officials, they, they paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and entrusted it to the workers and the supervisors at the temple. And then Shaphan the secretary informed the king. He says, Elkiah, the priest, he gave me a book. And then Shaphan read it in the presence of the king. And when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. You can think about in anguish how, how he would tear his robes, right? Sometimes we do destructive things in our anguish. He tore his robes and he gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, son of Shaphan, Akbor, son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the secretary, and Azariah, the king's attendant, he says, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what's written in this book that's been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book and they have not acted in accordance with all that, that is in there concerning us. And to summarize what happens after that, these men, they go and they seek out a prophetess who's going to pray to the Lord and inquire about that. And to summarize, God says, like, there indeed is going to be a wrath for everything that happened, especially with King Manasseh's reign. But because Josiah softened his heart, he wept and sought the Lord, that that wrath will be delayed till after the king's death. And then the Lord will release that wrath. Well, after that, Josiah assembles everyone in the land and reads the book of the law in front of them, and they all renew this covenant to follow the Lord. And then, and then from there, Josiah, he cleans house. Um, he, uh, he tears down all the idols, all of the high places, in the Asherahs, in the shrines. He burns the bones of everyone in the land, uh, except for the, the people who were the true prophets of Israel. All of the false priests in the area, uh, he had those slaughtered, and he removed all the detestable things uh, that were detestable to the Lord in the land, and including in, in the temple. But not only did he clean house, but he returned to worship to the Lord. There was a Passover that was observed that year. And it says in there that there wasn't a Passover like that since before the time of the judges. So they returned to this, this worship of the Lord. And, and when I read this section of scripture, I get quite fired up about this. This is incredible change that's happening here just from reading the word. At first, I want to, to proclaim, look, here it is. It's in the Bible. You need to go read your Bibles more. Like I, had, I had a cool sermon that I thought was cool, planned all out, where I was going to grab a Bible from behind the choir loft and I would have dust strategically placed on it and say, dust off your Bibles. Dig out those hidden treasures that, 
that kind of get lost. Right? I was even going to bring up other, other treasures that might be forgotten about. Maybe some old hymns or the Psalter or, or even the, uh, the uh, Heidelberg Catechism. Right? Those things that just get forgotten about. I love God's Word and I just wanted to say, get into God's Word more. And as I kept coming out, or trying to come up with a sermon outline, it just led to frustration. And as I kept studying the passage, it was as if the Spirit was saying to me, Stephen, what message do you want the people to hear? And as I kept listening to him and reading the word, I became more and more convicted. Because I think if I came up here and gave a message like, read your Bibles more, what would be heard would be, do more. What would be heard from me would be me telling you to try harder. And um, this would not bring anyone closer to the kingdom. This would be leading people to works. If I were to bring something out of the storeroom of the Bible, I would be bringing out something old to talk about something old. I would be bringing out an old covenant story to talk about works. So what is the message I'd like to say? been thinking about it a lot the past couple weeks, and there's a couple groups of people that I'd love to just speak to. The first is, if there's anyone that's listening that has never, ever been transformed by God's Word before, I have... I have a friend, his name is Jerry, and Jerry's a customer of mine, and I asked him this week if I, could, if I could use our story, and he says, yeah, you can even use me by name. So if you're a customer of mine, I won't, won't just spill everything on the pulpit unless you give me permission. But I go to Jerry's house on Tuesday, and he opens the door, and he just gives me a great big hug. And, and Jerry is Jewish, and so on Tuesday, I asked Jerry, I said, Jerry, did you celebrate the Passover this weekend? And Jerry says, no, I didn't celebrate Passover this weekend. You know, I'm, I'm not really that religious. I'm, I guess you could say I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. And we go downstairs to take a look at the equipment, and we're still talking. And, and uh, so I, I, I went for a bold question. I said, I said, Jerry, can I ask you like a tough one? Tell me if I'm going too far. And he says, no, go ahead. And uh, I said, Jerry, do you believe that Yeshua is the Messiah? I tried to use Jewish words instead of Greek words, right? Use Jesus instead of, or not use Jesus and use Yeshua, use Messiah instead of Christ. And he says, you know, I believe that maybe there is a Messiah. I just, I, I, I really... I'm not that religious anymore. I'm open, though, to, to, to hearing from the Lord and, and, um, and being changed by the, word, by the Lord. But, um, yeah, I don't get into all of the 
hypocrisy and rituals and whatnot. But then he started talking about how he led a Passover Seder last year. And there was, he says, there were 60 Gentiles there and there's just a couple Jews. And you could see the excitement building up in Jerry's voice as he's recalling this story. And he's talking about how all of these Gentiles were just changed by learning about the Passover. And there was this fondness in, the, in his voice about this transformation that was being taken place in people. Jerry is up for, for being changed. Well, let me tell you this. The Lord does like to change people. And um, he uses his word to transform us. Look at what it did to King Josiah. I mean, before he, he read the word, there was, there was all of this wickedness in the land. There was the idol worship, the child sacrifice. There was, there was just evil in the land. But after he read the word, there's this huge change. There is there's a, a grieving that happened. And then... He, he goes and consults the Lord about it. And then there's this renewed covenant. And then there's a worship of the Lord. And, and there's this cleansing in the land. But I want to tell you that this didn't come about because Josiah read the word. And I want to, I want to try to to explain this to you, and I think I got to use some broken English or some bad grammar to describe this, but it wasn't because he did reading, it's because he was listening. He wasn't the one that was doing the verb, the action. He was having the the Lord acting on him through his word. He was just open to hearing that word. That's how God uses his word to speak to us. And so I want to tell you to stop, stop reading, stop doing reading and be listening. Read with open ears and eyes instead of closed, have a soft heart instead of a hard heart. You know, the, the, the parables that I started with at the beginning, one of them, the first one was about the parable of the sower. And it's, it's this parable where a farmer goes out and spreads seeds and some of them grow and some of them don't. And Jesus says the seed is the word. And depending on the soil, it'll grow or not. And there's a hardened soil and that is the soil along the path, and it doesn't grow. People, people, these are people that don't want to listen to the Lord. And as soon as that word is sown, it just goes away. It doesn't take root. And the ones that do grow are, are the ones that have a soft soil, where they're open to accepting that word. Well, Josiah did accept that word. He was open. He didn't even know what the word was going to say. So he didn't have his own agenda before that. But that transformation that happened in Josiah, it only lasted a few years. 
the transformation that happened in Judah only lasted for a few years. As soon as Josiah was dead, a couple of years after that, uh, God's wrath did come. And a few years after that, Judah was taken over by Babylon. And, you know, even though there was that transformation, it was because of hearing the law. The law, it doesn't lead to life. It It leads to death. Because it shows us that we can't follow the law. That we're lawbreakers. But fortunately for us, We have more than just the law. We have the gospel. We have the ministry of the Spirit and not just the ministry of the law. And if we we read the word, the whole word, we'll learn about how holy God is, just like Josiah learned how holy God is. And if we're open and we let the word read us, right? Um, We'll learn about how unholy and how sinful we are. Just like it happened to King Josiah. And if we read a little bit more, we'll probably be told that uh, there is a wrath for those that rebel against the Lord. Just, Just like Josiah was told. But if you read, if you read a little bit more, if you're open to hearing just a little bit more, the word's gonna tell you about Jesus. The word's gonna tell you about how he was sinless. The word is gonna convince you that, that he paid that wrath for you. The word's gonna convince you that when you believe that, that God's going to give you his Holy Spirit. The Word's going to convince you that God wants wants to listen to you. He wants you to listen to him, to believe his son. The Word's going to convince you that you're going to get a new heart. The Word will convince you, will speak to you, that there's all these promises for those that believe. But you know, most importantly, the word is going to show you how much God loves you. That brings me joy. And he's actually going to speak through the word to you. It's not, it's not like it's a metaphor. It's for real. That's, that's how I change because God spoke through his word. Well, this is what Jesus means when he talks about how the Holy Spirit will convince us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Right? And, he, and he goes on to say that, that when we believe his words, that the Holy Spirit will teach us his words and remind us of his words. Well, my friend Jerry, he, um, he said that that he's, he's not religious, but he's spiritual. And I think, I think people get turned off by religion because of the rituals and the liturgy 
and the, the traditions that, rich, or that uh, are in religion. And I think they see that as, as not being authentic. I think people crave authenticity. I know Jerry craves authenticity. And I think sometimes people will see, um, will see reading your Bible daily as being as being religious. Well, I'm a father of three, and we are in the crazy part of life. We are, we are busy all the time. Good luck having me over to your place. It's just, we're so busy, right? But it's important to me at the end of each day to be able to sit down with my wife after the kids go to bed and just spend some time with her. It's important to me during my lunch break, sometime during the day, just to call her up, tell her I love her. It's important to me to my, and to my wife to have a date night every now and then where we can connect with each other. God desires not for you to have some religion in his word, but for you to spend time with him. And if you've, if you've never been transformed by God's word, if that's, if that's never happened to you, I want to just say to you, I want to I persuade you, I want to... I wanna try to convict you. I wanna dare you to just open up God's word. Because there's a treasure in there. But a lot of us, we have been transformed by the word before, and you don't need to give it a try. You've already given it a try. So I also want to speak maybe to those here Maybe it's been a while since we've been transformed by God's word. Maybe things have gotten kind of quiet. You know, the story of, of King Josiah, the word of the law was lost. How, how did that, that word get lost anyways? It was always there. The temple was always there. It wasn't like they got rid of God. They just, they just other things were brought in. Other things took interest. Think about when you lose your keys, right? It's not that they fall out of your pocket when you're not looking. It's usually you come in, you set them down, and they're not important anymore, and you get distracted by, by the other things that draw your attention. I think the book was exactly where it was left. And things just got a little distracted. We talked about the parable of the sower, and there's a soil that doesn't, doesn't really produce feet, uh, fruit as well, and that was the soil um, sown among the thorns. And in the word, the, the, the seed, it doesn't grow because... It just gets choked out by all the things around it. 
You know, I think, I think in Josiah's time, it was choked out by all their other things that they were worshiping. I want to ask you, what, what's in our temple? Where, where, is, where is your Bible? Where is your Bible? Is it here? Is it, is it on a shelf collecting dust? Um, are we getting distracted by a lot of other things? Um, what if your Bible's on your phone? What other things are in the temple? You know, Romans 12, it says that our spiritual act of worship is to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And this transformation is done, is done by the word. First Peter First Peter 1, 23 says, You've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. We're transformed by the word. It's our act of worship to be open, open to the Lord's word, to let his words come into us, to change our minds, and then to make it a change of heart. And then that overflows into our actions, right? So how, how can we be not so distracted by everything? How can we make the word a little more of a priority? How can we make it a little less too familiar and a little bit more important? I have some customers. It's really neat. You go to their house and you see their Bible out on their kitchen table. They just put it in a spot where they're not going to forget about it. And they put it in a spot where they're going to meet regularly and spend time with the Lord. I carry around a little Bible. Everybody mocks me how small the print is. But I can take this anywhere. And if I hear the Spirit, I can quick open it up. I put it in a place where it's going to be important instead of left where I'm forgetting about it. I want to end, I want to end with a story. Um, I wish it were my own story. It's a cool story, but I'll use it anyways. I was listening a couple of months ago to, to Tony Evans. Any of you ever hear of Tony Evans? He's a pastor. And uh, he was talking about James 1, yeah, verse 22 through, through 25. And it goes like this. It goes, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and right away forgets what kind of man he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and preserves in it, and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who acts, this person will be blessed in what he does. And Tony Evans, he says, this word man, the man looking in the mirror, is actually like a a man, not like a woman, like a man. And you can think about how a man looks in the mirror. We just kind of quick look in and, and then move on and kind of forget what we look like. But he says, you know, we should look in the mirror like a woman looks in a mirror. 
Because women, a typical woman, right, um, will have all sorts of mirrors. You got the mirror in front of the sink as you're getting ready and you're washing up. You've got the little mirror in your, in your makeup compact just to make sure you got things right. You got the one on the visor where you can make sure you're ready to go before you leave. They've got the full-length mirror so they can see how their whole assemble looks. They've even got the mirror with the light on it so you can see up close what's going on. He says that's how we should look at the law. You know, back then, the, the mirrors were not a sheet of glass like our mirrors. They were, they were like a, a piece of metal that, uh, that you really had to polish. You had to work at it. You might have to manipulate it a little bit so that you can get your reflection. I want to invite you, if it's been a long time, to not only have open heart, open mind, but to gaze into that mirror, to manipulate that mirror of the word of the Lord, to let it read you, to meditate on it, because there is a treasure in that word, and it has the power to transform. Shall we pray together? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for how your word changes us. We see how it changes Josiah, and we ask that it would change us personally as well. We ask, Lord, if there's anybody here who has never been transformed by the word, that you would soften their hearts to receive that word. We ask, Lord, for those many of us where it's been a while since we've been transformed that you would help us to look at it afresh, that you would help us to gaze upon it, that you would help us to not lose your word in just the, the busyness of life. And we ask this in Jesus' name, our Savior. Amen. Thank you, Stephen. As Stephen alluded to at the beginning there, he's... And he talked to me last Sunday after, after the Easter service.